Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Mega machines cutting through solid rock. The transportation of multi-ton stone blocks. Modern aircraft carrying millions of people each day around the world. And space shuttles sending humans to the stars. But are these examples of modern technology? Or is there evidence that these incredible achievements existed on Earth thousands of years ago? You begin to have to ask yourself, are we missing part of the story? Could ancient man have possessed knowledge far beyond that of our own century? And if so, where did it come from? I think that people in ancient times were visited by beings coming not from this Earth. And they gave us scientific technologies it becomes ever more apparent that the possible answer of has aliens visited in the past could be a potential yes. Millions of people around the world believe we have been visited in the past by extraterrestrial beings. What if it were true? Did ancient aliens really help to shape our history? And if so, what if there were clues left behind, sometimes hiding? in plain sight. What if we could find the evidence? challenge getting online tonight let me tell you very difficult even now i think we have a blog talk has a few server issues but you know what here we are let's do our stuff it's been a very interesting evening i've been getting a lot of text message regarding this episode people like wait a minute you're going to do an episode on aliens and god and are you saying god doesn't exist and oh my goodness but people how you feeling? Hope all's going well. Haven't really done a show in a while uh, about some topics I want to get into. So tonight it's going to be about what? Are, is God the alien? God in the Bible? God in, in in Scripture, the Quran, what have you? People want to say, oh, my God, he's lost his mind. Well, okay, maybe I did, but I don't know. In this case, how you guys doing out there? You know, what you heard was the intro from the episode of uh, the series, uh, Ancient Aliens on History Channel. Um, executive produced by uh, Giorgio Sukulos and executive produced also, by, I believe, by uh, the legendary Eric Van Danigan. It's a very fascinating show in that it talks about a lot of things that were brought up when uh, Eric Van Danigan had written the book uh, Chariots of the God. I think uh, you guys may have heard a little bit about that, sort of a couple of hundred copies. 
this book came out back in the 70s, and what uh, Eric Van Danigan extrapolated or the, uh, post, what's that word in English? Uh, Postesized <laughs> uh, uh, brought to the forefront was that was there a time where ancient aliens landed on Earth and influenced humanity? Some people will say, oh my God, we're talking about uh, genetic engineering and things like that. But no, it talks about and he brought up in his book, Chariots the Gods. And I remember vividly when it came out, it caused an uproar, particularly among theologians who thought that he was questioning God. But let me give a little introduction to him, and we're going to come back for a few things for the next uh, 45 minutes here. He may go to an hour because already I'm seeing a lot of uh, texts on my cell phone of questions and what have you. But again, it's talking about God in the Bible or God, wait, God and aliens in the Bible or God and aliens or is God the alien? So let me give you a little, a little excerpt um, from the show, the series, to give an idea of what direction we're flowing in, what we're talking about. And what I'll come back with, I want to go over some uh, Bible verses and some other verses and get your interpretation on that and give my, in, give my insight on this. And we'll take it from there. So in this one, there's a reference to uh, Ezekiel, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. But on top of that, before we continue on, I just want to say well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your patience. We tried to be on last night. Server issue. We tried to be on 8 o'clock. Server issues. So thank you for your patience. And, you know, hey, let's have some fun with this group. Let's ride. In May of 2008, a startling proclamation was issued by the Vatican. For the first time in its 2,000-year history, the Catholic Church acknowledged the possibility that intelligent life could exist on other planets and that a belief in extraterrestrials did not contradict a belief in God. For example, in the first book of Moses, before the Lord descends on the holy mountain, Moses was ordered to construct a gate around the mountain, otherwise the Israelites would be damaged. I was shocked. I said, this is impossible. My God, he would never use first a gate to protect himself or to protect the Israelites. What are they talking about? And now the work started. I started to read thousands of pages of the beginning of religions, of every mythology. It's always the same story. Of course, with different names, with different heroes. Somebody descends from the sky to the humans. Our forefathers could not understand it. They believed that these are some gods. I was shocked. I asked the question, were primitive humans influenced by extraterrestrials, not gods? And if it all was like I suggested, what is the proof? So you start trying to find at least indications. That's what I have done now for at least 45 years. You have pictorial evidence, you have artifacts in archaeology, and you have what's come out of the old literature. Hundreds of indications which you cannot deny anymore. What it means is that we need new explanations for human origins, that perhaps we're not alone in the universe, and that human-like beings came to this planet from some other planet elsewhere in the cosmos. I think that's a very good idea myself. And it really excited people. It was a new way of looking at the past, looking at ancient civilizations, and it put this very modern space-age spin to the whole thing. But if visitors from other planets were thought to be gods, wouldn't there be written accounts of them? Perhaps the answer can be found right in front of us. 
in one of the most shocking places of all. Ironically, Eric von Daniken's firm belief that Earth has been visited in the past by beings from other planets is entirely consistent with his belief in God and the Bible. It is merely a question of interpretation. I want us to understand, I was a very, very deep believer in God. By the way, I'm still a believer in God. I never lost my God. But uh, for a young man, my God had to be almighty. My God would never need a vehicle in which to move around, a vehicle uh, to go from point A to point B. In what Christians refer to as the Old Testament, there are in fact several accounts of God and his angels visiting the earth. Sometimes these visitations are accompanied by tremendous noise and clouds of billowing smoke. In the book of Ezekiel, for example, the prophet claims that he witnessed a visitation by heavenly beings coming down from the skies aboard a fantastic flying machine. As far as Von Daniken is concerned, it's a highly detailed description of an alien sighting. This is incredible. Ezekiel not only describes what he sees, he also describes what he hears. He describes the whole thing as being the splendorness of God. The prophet also details several four-faced winged creatures who appeared in the likeness of men and who traveled upon a gleaming wheeled device. Inside the splendors of God there was something like a throne and on this throne was a being sitting looking like a human in glittering clothes and beneath it he saw some uh, vehicles he saw some wings he describes the noise of the wings he describes the noise of the wings with the thundering of a waterfall Ezekiel saw his wheel within a wheel. Uh, this sounds more high-tech than supernatural, and we can't suppose that um, people 3,000 years ago would understand the difference between the supernatural and high-tech. But what if there is more to Ezekiel's heavenly visions than the imaginative insights of a religious man? What if there was a scientific foundation for them? Another biblical figure who continues to fascinate von Daniken is the character of Enoch. Enoch is not part of the Bible. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, you find maybe just one phrase about Enoch, that's all. But among the apocryphic texts, there are volumes and volumes, if you know them. You find the book of Enoch. Enoch is the first person in antiquity who writes in the first person, I did. I hear, I was there. In one of the ancient texts, this great-grandfather of Noah is said to have been taken away by God for 300 years. He was taken up to the sky. Up there he meets the highest, the so-called highest in religion, they call it God. He meets the highest, and the highest says to his servants, you teach this young man in our language and then you teach him writing. So he writes books. Of course, he knows all these foreigners by name. 
He quotes them by name. He knows their profession. He knows which of these extraterrestrials was the astronomer. So Enoch is the only and first person, thousands of years ago, who gives some of the names of the extraterrestrials and gives some of their professions. How is this possible? We have an eyewitness and nobody speaks about it. So I really was confused. When all of these stories were written down, writing was a fairly new invention. The very first thing they wrote down is something that actually happened to them. It was so important, so compelling, so significant to them that they had to put it in writing. Why can't modern society come to grips that these stories might be true after all? Von Daniken's research turned up evidence of other arguably extraterrestrial phenomena, and not only in the Bible. Almost every religion has similar stories about deities with spectacular powers and abilities who come to earth and directly influence the lives of men. Suddenly one day I said to myself, now come on, this is similar to stories in so many old religions. Are they talking about extraterrestrials? These so-called gods are here, they give orders, they force the humans to do certain things, and one day they disappear. But they always disappear with the promise to return in a far away future. If, as I believe, people in ancient civilizations were familiar with space travel, people in ancient civilizations were in communication with human-like beings from other planets, then I think we should expect to find evidence for this in their literatures, which we do find. On yet another continent, in Guatemala City, we have a sculpture that looks eerily reminiscent of a modern-day astronaut. I mean, that thing is wearing a helmet, there's some type of a mouthpiece, and on his chest are some type of uh, controls or a breathing apparatus. How is this possible? 1,500 years ago. And in Colombia, there were thousands of tomb artifacts that look like modern-day airplanes. It has fixed wings, it has a fuselage, and it has an upright tail fin, which is not intrinsic to nature, but it is intrinsic to modern-day aerodynamics. Did our ancestors see something similar flying in the air? Absolutely. Another compelling artifact that was found was at the Istanbul Museum, where you have this headless spaceman sitting inside some type of a space vehicle. You can see his hands, and you can see tubing that go to some sort of devices. He's wearing a suit, his legs are crammed in there. I mean, even to the untrained eye, this looks very aerodynamic, and it looks something that, you know, came from outer space. Oh, my God, I don't know where to begin. It's a little extended clip I wanted to give you, but people, you know, you have to... Let me let me go back to this thing called cargo cult, um, of where this comes from. And, again, that's a clip from Asian Aliens. I don't own the rights to that show. I just want to give you a clip because I have to give a public thank you to Giorgio Sukalos and Erica Van Danik, Erica, Eric Van Danigan and the rest of the crew for just putting together a series that really asked some questions that a lot of people, you know, years ago were thought to be crazy. Were these folks that descended to Earth, we talk about the angels, were they 
aliens instead. I'm asking the question. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just putting it out there. We'll give you an example um, as they talk about. Uh, if you look at the story, it talks about the story of Ezekiel. And I want you to give you a, a, little, a little story here where it's referenced that uh, he was taken away by a fiery craft. Um, he struggled to describe what he was looking at. He had no way of using words that we would commonly use today back then. But one description was very interesting is that he was talking about glowing light within a wheel, within a wheel. Now, that could either be two, uh, uh, one large uh, ring of light, one large ring of metal, we'll say, with a smaller size ring in the middle, right, you know, on the inside, and then a ball of bright energy in the middle. Or it could be, because he says four of them, something that I think about is I'm wondering if it is uh, spinning gyroscopes around liquid mercury. Because for those that know physics and science and things like that, when you put liquid uh, mercury or you put mercury inside two spinning gyroscopes, which is essentially uh, a ball of energy within two, two wheels, a wheel within a wheel, it tends to levitate. So you're wondering if he's struggling to describe something that would, to us would be essentially mercury within two spinning gyroscopes. Something to think about, something to touch on, but I'm asking you. What's your thoughts? Now, again, as Eric Van Daniken said, I'm not saying this takes away from my belief in God and the Lord. I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I'm asking, though, is if we go to the story of Moses, where Moses, as he as he's notices the burning bush and walks inside the mountain, to what some people theorize is actually a metallic craft, he meets what he describes or who he describes as God. And we're going to continue that on the other side of this break. Thank you. 
a burning bush. Moses is walking and he sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not on fire. So inside he hears something. He see, he, his attention is, 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 got, is caught by the burning bush, correct? Okay. Now, uh, I want to give you a little, a little quote here from Exodus 19, and it reads as this. In the third month after the people of Israel left Egypt, they came to the Sinai Desert on the same day. They had left Rephidim and had come to the Sinai Desert. There Israel set up their tents in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Say thee to the, the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. We're talking about that kind of conversation that Moses had with God. And the one thing I asked a couple of friends of mine on Facebook is that is I found it very interesting that every time Moses talked to God, it was never in terms of some you know voice in the clouds. Moses was talking to a physical being. Now, think about that. In fact, when the Hebrews were complaining about the work they had to do and things like that, and Moses went to go tell God himself, it says God came down the mountain and spoke to him. Now, think about that. God, it says God came down to him and spoke to Moses. Let's continue on with another example in Exodus um, 16 again. And we'll continue on from there. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. A cloud covered the mountain, and a very loud horn sounded. All the people among the tents shook with fear. Then Moses brought the people from among the tents to meet God. They stood at the base of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord came down upon it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a stove, and a whole mountain shook. The sound of the horn became louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and he went up. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down and tell the people not to speak, not to break through, to look at the Lord, for then many of them would be destroyed. Now, it's very interesting because as God is talking to Moses, he takes him up into, well, let me put it like this. It says, that Moses was taken up into the sky by God. And up there, God, Moses describes the earth from above. And he describes the earth as being round. The valleys, the mountains high, the oceans deep. But the funny thing is, at that time, everybody assumed or thought the thinking was the world was flat. So how did Moses was able to describe the earth as being round? Now, we can go to another story here where, and again, these aren't my, you know, I'm just endorsing ideas here. I'm just giving some conversation. That's all I'm doing. So don't get the lynch mob out to me. There's another conversation when it comes to the ascension of Jesus Christ. And this, this, what I find very fascinating is the similarity between the ascension of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Muhammad. Because at the Dome of the Rock, where it says Muhammad lies stood, it says that he ascended to the sky. He didn't say he disappeared. It said he rose to the sky, which I find to be very interesting because years earlier, Jesus, after the resurrection, uh, the transfiguration, to his left is standing Elijah, who disappeared among fire and smoke for the chariot of God years earlier, and Moses is standing next to Jesus. And what, what does Jesus do? He ascends to the sky. Now, that's very interesting. They don't say he disappears. They don't say, you know, well, you know, he just stood there and 
you know, he turned to light and floated up. It says he and Muhammad ascended to the sky. Let me give you another example of uh, another clip here from Ancient Aliens to you know, give you an idea where we're going with this. I think, you know, you have an idea what's going also. But I, I'm just really curious about what you guys think about this whole thing. You may say, oh, yeah, whatever, man. It's just some people spouting off some theories. No proof of that. Really? Well, let's talk about the pyramids when, when I come back. Just because we can't travel from star to star does not mean another more advanced society can't do it either. I think that's the height of human arrogance to say just because we can't do it, another more advanced civilization can't do it either. So, you know, we have to stop looking at us uh, that we are the pinnacle of creation because we're not. Celestial beings. Visitors from the skies. Deities descending from the heavens to interact with man. Could these worldwide stories be the foundation for the prevailing belief that something greater than ourselves from beyond our world created the universe as we know it? Almost all of the great world faiths are based on stories of celestial beings who visit Earth. Many millions of people accept these legends as part of their core beliefs. And from the earliest cave drawings to images at Roswell, we see artists' interpretations of extraterrestrials or gods coming to our planet. In many traditions, there is something coming from above. There's a stairway to heaven, or there's a whirlwind, or angel descends. Sometimes the encounter is quite dangerous, as would be appropriate to something awesome and larger and more powerful than we are. Usually it is memorable. Many of the myths are much more specific, and they really talk about gods physically coming to Earth, landing, doing miracles, and showing the people how to live. If visitors did come from the stars, is it possible that they actually changed the way ancient people thought? Did they provide an intellectual spark to prehistoric civilizations? Could that be the reason why so many different cultures could build such large and lasting monuments? It's almost as if primitive man woke up one morning and went, hey, I've got this knowledge and I know how to make tools and I'm going to go and build all these things. Nah, I don't think it happened that way. I think others came down to this planet and started teaching other people uh, that were beginning to evolve. But the one thing I truly do not believe is that modern cavemen at the time basically created all this knowledge out of thin air. All around the world, 
we have concise descriptions in ancient texts which say word for word that some beings came from the sky so it's as if this intellectual big bang or this big bang of knowledge occurred in various periods of time and those various periods of time most concisely always correlate with some type of description of gods descending from the sky. We're talking about gods descending from the sky. I want to give you another verse here if you uh, listen to uh, get it to deep listening. It goes to after the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus Christ in the Bible, Scripture. This is in version 2, and I believe this is in the book. I can't have this correct, because I want folks calling. But you guys read, you read it, because you know church folks will do that. You, get, you got the wrong book. <laughs> so I believe it's in, uh, it's in Matthew's. Hold up for one second. I want to make sure we have the right verse here. If you uh, But it talks about what I'm going to give to you guys is it talks about after Jesus is dead and he's put in the cave, what happens then? And this is kind of what kind of stood out because I remember talking about this on Resurrection Day years ago. Uh, not years ago. Resurrection, uh, resurrect, res- resurrect your lo- your life uh, on my site some time ago. It was in uh, Matthew's. I believe it's Matthew's 28, 1 through 20. And I brought this up and I got a few emails from people saying, Said, okay, what are you talking about here? What? I said, you know, just go read the Bible and tell you what it says. And it talks about how, for example, the Romans saw the angel and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They trembled with fear at the sight of the angel and passed out cold like dead men falling to the ground. They were paralyzed with fear like dead men. All right. Now, that might not mean anything to anybody, but it's very interesting because it talks about how the Romans are seeing these, this, this, this being. Okay. Now, Another aspect says, beyond that, there was a great earthquake in the ground. And from that earthquake was a loud rumble and a loud noise as the angel of the Lord descended and landed upon the rock and looked at the women and said, the, uh, he is not here. Uh, go look somewhere. Essentially said, Jesus ain't in the cave. Go look somewhere else. And what he did was he literally got down off the rock and kicked the rock to the side. Now, we'll just leave it there because some interpretations say the rock was already open, some were saying it was not open, or what have you. But again, it talks about what? A loud noise being followed by the angel of the Lord descending to the ground, landing on top of the rock, and talking to the woman, the women, and saying, Jesus isn't here. Gets off the rock and kicks the rock to the side. Now, it's not the aspect that he's called the angel of the Lord, but ask yourself, if you're back there 2,000 years ago, how exactly are you going to describe an alien or a being descending to the ground in a time when everything has a religious connotation to you, right? Now, the religious connotation, and we'll get back to the pyramids, the religious connotation also applies to the aspect of pyramids because 
you have three you have three pyramids down there in Mexico, all right, to Atiacan. You have three pyramids at Giza in Egypt. You have three pyramids in China, okay? And I believe there's some, there's obviously some pyramids down there in the Mayan territories. But my question is, all three pyramids on three different continents are lined up exactly in the pattern of Orion's belt. Now, why why is that? And on top of that, pyramids are very geometrical. So why is it pyramids are all of a sudden popping up around the world among cultures who have never met each other? Now, we also go somewhere else where it talks about, well, for example, we'll talk about cargo cults. Cargo cult comes from back in World War II when the military, particularly the U.S. military, was building bases all over the Pacific Islands. And they were building these bases in places where people have never seen planes. In fact, they've never seen Anglos. In fact, they've never seen anything outside of their own people. Now, all of a sudden, these military bases were being built on these islands, and these mechanical objects, which we would call airplanes, but to the people who call them birds, were landing and going, landing and going from these islands. They were giving food to the people, giving knowledge to the people, hiring the people to work for them, obviously, free labor or cheap labor. And then when the war was built, they would, build, they would, they would, they would take their planes, take their weapons, take their machinery, and leave. And the people wondering what happened to them because they never came back. So what they did was they actually built a plane. They actually, at one cult, actually built a model of one of the planes, and they were like lamp, lighting fires around the plane as a symbol, as a as, as a as a desire to, you know, as a as a was that what I'm looking for to somehow entice the gods to come back. Now, if these folks would do this back in the 1940s. Why is it people 2,000 years ago wouldn't do the exact same thing if these aliens are descending to the ground, interacting with people, giving these gifts and knowledge? Why, and, and next thing you know, these beings are, you know, they could be responsible for the religion we have now. Of course, people will say, oh, he's blasphemy. He's trying to destroy the Bible. I'm not trying to destroy the Bible whatsoever in any kind of way. I'm just offering an opinion and an interpretation of some things. And I just want to have that conversation and have the input from you. What do you think? Let's continue on here with a little something. Pass. Similar themes can be found in the legends of Greek and Roman gods, which also describe events that some interpret as extraterrestrial contact. Both cultures believed in powerful gods who lived in the heavens and often came down to earth to interact with humans. A well-known example is, is Zeus and the Greek gods, and they, they've, they've come down from the sky and Mount Olympus, where they live in some mountain, and they're bringing really um, civilization and, and sciences to mankind. But they have many uh, human attributes, too, where, yeah, they, uh, they're attracted to human women, uh, they want to have sex and children with as many of them as they can, and then they go back into the sky. 
These ideas of gods mating with humans are very commonplace, like uh, Zeus in uh, Greek mythology was always coming down and mating with mortals and producing uh, demigods like Hercules or uh, Helen of Troy, who were you know, exceptionally beautiful, exceptionally powerful, uh, unusually gifted in every way. So in other words, you were creating a better race in, in this sense. In the ancient Aslan opinion, the whole pantheon of gods that we have in ancient Greece consists of nothing else but flesh and blood extraterrestrials who were misinterpreted as being these divine creatures by our ancestors. There's a lot of evidence showing that we're not alone in the cosmos and that our human civilizations on Earth have been interacting for long periods of time with extraterrestrial intelligences. Belief in celestial beings interacting with humans is a cornerstone in several major religions. In fact, according to the Bible's book of Genesis, God created the first humans, Adam and Eve. The Bible also contains other passages that describe strange interactions between otherworldly beings and humans. People believe messengers of some sort come down from the heavens. You know, they came down and they had sex with humans. And this is where we produce giants, people like Goliath. So in a technical sense, they are alien. They're gods or they're uh, angels or some kind of superhuman thing. Interpreting these Bible stories has also led to a certain amount of debate and controversy. While most see a single God directing and influencing mankind's destiny, others argue that it is really a number of gods that are responsible. In the Old Testament, it says very clearly, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, Grammatically speaking, that sentence doesn't make sense because you have God and then you have our image. Well, theologians suggest that by our, what they meant is the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. So basically, if you were to change the word God to gods, then all of a sudden the sentence makes sense and then the gods created man in our own image. So you have this reference, let us create man in our image. In several religious texts, uh, specifically the Hebrew Bible, which, which Christians also accept, and in the Quran, which Muslims uh, revere as holy, um, you have the reference to God in the plural. And it is incredibly interesting. But do all these religious scriptures that tell similar stories really point to the possibility that aliens have visited Earth throughout ancient history. The fact is, the story of creation in our own Bible is the story of creation in cultures around the world. The story of the flood, the evolution of the human species, the development of language. All of this points to, in fact, the Bible says so, life on Earth came from contact with an extraterrestrial life form. That's in the Bible, that's in ancient cultures around the world. So I believe the theory of ancient astronauts is true, and I believe there's solid evidence there, and I believe the harder you try to refute that evidence, 
the more you wind up against the brick wall that ancient astronauts visited us, visited Earth thousands upon thousands of years ago and seeded the very civilization we have today. If and if, again, that's another thought. David Childress was one of the speakers there. It, again, what is it? For example, if you look at the scripture, and again, it's not a south assault in scripture. I'm a, I'm a deep believer in God, and I'm a deep believer in the Lord. So let's get that out there. Some folks say, oh, my God, he's slandering. No, no, I'm not saying that. But it's very interesting how God will talk to someone in the Bible and say, I need you to build a fence around the mountain to protect me, you know, to protect the Israelites. Now, the God we know can essentially part the Red Sea or what have you and create the earth, the universe. So why would that God have to have someone build a fence from Home Depot around the mountain to protect the Hebrews from the enemy? Makes no kind of sense. On top of that, if you remember, uh, it talks about in the Bible as the, the birth of the Lord, that the Magi, was, who, was, who were very uh, interesting people, and that's where the word magic comes from, the Magi, they followed a star that led them to where the main containing baby Jesus was located. Now, what's very interesting is that stars don't move. And I don't mean like they just hang in space and they don't move like over a couple thousand years. But it's hard to explain how your uh, three guys are following a, a star-like object that is moving across the sky. And stops exactly over the main, or manger, I'm sorry, that's holding baby Jesus. Too interesting. Now you also have, I believe it's Ezekiel. I could have the word wrong, the name wrong, but I believe it's Ezekiel. Where God comes and tells, and tells Ezekiel, listen, Ezekiel, I need you to build this by this and by that. This height, this width, this length, this deep, whatever. This wide. And Ezekiel's like, well, you know, why do I got to do it? And God says to him, why do you think I brought you here? So God, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, builds this thing, I'll just say. He builds this object to the exact specifications of, the, of what God told him to. And once Ezekiel completes making that structure, it says in the Bible, into which the glory of the Lord landed. It didn't say, you know, appeared out of like bright light. It said the glory of the Lord landed. Now, in the book, I believe it's called the book of Ezekiel or the spaceship of Ezekiel, whatever it's called. One guy who's an engineer takes the Bible and following the instructions that Ezekiel followed in the book, reconstructed what Ezekiel made, which turned out to be a structure, kind of like those football stands, but it's football stands like in a square, and there's stands on each side, could be stairs, what have you. Years later, a rocket engineer who did not know of the first experiment took the same device, it might be vice versa, but he took the same um, measurements, he took what Ezekiel described in the Bible, and he made a craft. Now, that might not be a big thing. That might not be anything like, oh, my God, yeah, he built a craft. Okay, sure. What, the blimp? No, I think it's just interesting that this guy made a craft that fit perfectly into what the gentleman 
made earlier. Now, if you have a star flowing across the sky, leading three gods to where baby Jesus is laying in the manger, you have a guy describing God coming down and telling him to build a fence around the mountain. Now, this is God who supposedly essentially built, built earth. It's telling God again, it's telling Ezekiel, here's some stuff from Home Depot, or get some stuff from Home Depot, and build a fence around the mountain. Then you go back to the burning bush where Moses was taken into the sky by God, and Moses described the earth as being round. Then you have Moses, then you have Muhammad, both Muhammad and Jesus ascending to the sky and standing to Jesus after the transfiguration is Moses and Elijah. And they've both been dead for hundreds of years. Then you have something that's very interesting again when you go back to the resurrection. And it says, the Lord got his attention with a violent earthquake. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone and sat upon it. Now, um, I, I want to make sure I, I want to make sure this understands correctly. Because, well, let me give it to you. In the Jerusalem Bible, it says, all the things that took place in this verse happened almost simultaneously. What they mean is the coming of the Lord, the ground shaking, and next thing you know, you see the Lord descending, angel of the Lord descending. Now, that's not any of the Roman soldiers doing this. Because when the angel of the Lord descends from heaven, the Roman soldiers are paralyzed with fear. So again, you look at the pyramids. They're built all over the place at a time when people haven't met, any, met each other. You go down to Pumapunku, where you're seeing structures that weigh tons are being built, stacked, and moved around like they're nothing. Then you go to the hills, I believe it's in Peru. Where you find where you find five multi-ton blocks up the side of a mountain from thousands of years ago, and you're asking yourself, how the hell did they get these blocks up there? There's not a rope or a chain gang alive that's moving those blocks. And mind you, when there's an earthquake, these bar these large blocks shift up and down. You also go to this mountain in Latin America, where in the side of the mountain is a large square, about 100 feet by 50 feet. And in the middle of this square, towards the bottom, is a doorway that's carved into the side of the mountain. And it's not like there's roads going there or anything like that. It says, you know, hey, enter here. Within that doorway, it's like, you know, a little impression into the wall, in the shape of a door. There's this round little circle that mythos, that that the myths in that region say the chiefs would go up to the wall, stick this little gold round uh, object into the indentation of the wall, and they would disappear. Now, what I find fascinating, I drink some fluid here. What I find fascinating is that if you ever take a look at this structure. It's called the gateway. If you look, there's, there's, there's these cuts into the side of the wall, the mountain, as though something was placed over this entrance. But if you look towards the top of the structure, on one side you can see where the stone is being cut. On the other side, you can literally see where the, so, the stone has melted as though it was, subjugate, it was subject to great heat. Now, we also go back to the monuments that's down there in Mexico, the Pyramid of the Moon, 
the Pyramid of the Sun, and there's another pyramid. I can't remember exactly what it's called. And it's interesting how andesite, which is a mineral they use on the space shuttle, is built into these structures. And the funny thing is they're not really used for decoration because the way they're built into the structures, you can't see them. In this case, these, the andesite is all over this complex. I believe it's called Teotihuacan, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Is all over this complex, and this complex is massive. It's not little like, you know, street corners. This thing is massive. And the funny thing is it says when the Mayans came to where this, 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 this location is, this place is, they came through the bushes and saw this complex sitting there already made. So who made it? And these things are massive. So again, the question is, where are the people getting this technology to make these things? Where are they getting the technology to make these things? People want to say it's the angel. People want to say it's God or what have you. But the thing is, is mankind that arrogant to think that they're the only ones that can send, you know, robots or vehicles to other planets? I think not. And we'll come back on this conversation after this brief, so brief, very brief musical break here all right hope you guys are doing well and again if you know if, you know if you have a religious faith or anything like that i'm not trying to, to disrespect your belief in any kind of way so if you're getting that impression that is not my that is not my intent in any kind of way whatsoever take a little commercial break here but i'm with you when you're all alone and you correct me when i'm looking wrong i see the guilt beneath the shame through your window pain I see the scars that remain I see Wayne I'm looking at the back to you guys thank you for bearing with me and not bearing with me like I'm causing misery Thank you for joining up with me. I'm sorry if you hear a little uh, noise in the background. I actually have a, a fan running to cool down some computer equipment. So, you know, you know, sometimes you have to go old school. But I come back to you guys. What's your opinion on this? In fact, you know, I haven't given you guys a phone number, and I apologize for that. You want to reach in? You can find me at 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. We actually only have about nine minutes left, and I apologize. I was really so into the show, I've neglected to actually give you a phone number. So I think I'm going to have to do a part two because I'm seeing a whole lot of listeners coming on, coming at me on my cell phone because I have the show running there also so I can see people logging in, tuning in, and down, actually downloading. So we're going to have to do a part two to this. But what is your thoughts on this? Why do you think there are pyramids being all over the place? Why are the descriptions of these people descending to the ground? There's a place in Latin America, and again, it, it escapes me. I have to have more information on this during the next show. But it talks about how um, a, among a loud noise, a lot of dust, a lot of smoke, a lot of fire, that this being descended to the ground. And the people remember this visit thousands of, or hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago by doing a ancient ritual. And what they do is they gather in a large circle in the middle of the village. And this is literally a village. They gather a large circle and they go back and forth. 
Well, what I find interesting is that within that circle is the local medicine man or chieftain who was recreated, who was playing the role of the person that defended. Now, what's kind of eerie about this is that the person that he is uh, playing, he is, the, the, the chieftain is dressed in what literally people literally look like a spacesuit. And it's also mentioned that the Bakari, who are down the road from this village, have the same story because they have an outfit also. This guy looks like he's wearing almost like the guy from uh, the Michelin Man. This person looks like what he's wearing is literally a space shoot, a space space shoot suit. It's in one of those days, people. These why are people so quick to dismiss these ideas, and why are so people so quick to say, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever, you know, all of it was is God. Why is it when you look at the Mayan prophecies and you look at Egypt, they understood the process, the science of precision. Precision essentially means you're, predict, you're, you're mapping an object where it's going to be thousands of years in the future. So obviously, a lot of these folks, either one, there was this revelation in genetic engineering where everybody became you know, geniuses, or two, someone came down and taught them this. Because the idea of precision is not interesting because if you look at the story of 2012, it's talking about how there's a massive black hole in the middle of our galaxy and how the black hole, the sun, and the earth, I believe, is going to line, I believe the earth or the moon is going to line up. And the 32 and 9 gods are going to return to earth. This is a Mayan prophecy. How did they know thousands of years ago or what have you? But how did they know that this alignment was going to take place on 2012? I don't think they had a scientific calculator back then. So how did they know this information? I'm just asking a question. Why is it we're seeing the descriptions? You have the, you have the, the Great Flood. But the Great Flood story is not unique just to the Bible. It's in the story of Gilgamesh. It's in a lot of these Bibles. It's in a lot of these trusts on mythologies, a lot of these stories. Why is it the Dogon people, who are the descendants of those that fled Egypt back in the day, why is it during their ritual they talk about a star? In fact, they have a model of the star system itself that they're referring to. How is it that that star model refers to a star hundreds of years ago, but that star wasn't discovered until this past century. How is that possible? These folks literally, these, these people are on, are on East Africa, are on West Africa, the Dogon. They built a replica of a star system that half it you can't even see with the naked eye. So how did they know it was there? And how they know? I believe it's a it's a, 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 a red a small a dwarf star. It's a binary star system. I believe it's series A, series B, series C. But one of the stars you can't even see. So how is it they made a model that was so accurate to the star system that was unseen by the naked eye and consisted of stars that weren't even discovered? Until years, until this past century, why is it we're seeing these objects of men in Egypt that look like somebody wearing a hazmat suit? There's no cuffs in the shirt, the chin is the neck is covered. Why is that? 
why is it when you look at um, many parts of Latin America, there's one place that escapes me at this moment, and I'll refer to it, uh, NASCA. When you look at the NASCA lines, and you've seen these massive images which were made on the ground, but they're made to be seen from the sky. That makes no kind of sense. It makes sense, but what's the explanation? Why is it in Latin America you have mountaintops sheared off, and what's replacing them is what looks like to be runways that go on, and when you look on the side of the mountains, you don't see rubble. You don't see anything. So how did that happen? And then nearby, on top of these mountains, you find these megalithic cities again. You have this place this in, 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 in Italy called, I believe it's called the Pregnant Woman. It's, a, it's this stone that's calculated to weigh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tons. So the question becomes, how they move it and why they move it? So we're looking around the world. You have Easter Island where you have these, these figures just looking off into space. But everyone to say, well, they move these figures using, you know, trees and things like that. But yet on Easter Island, there were no trees there. Maybe a couple bushes, that's about it, how they move. And why is it mankind, and I say mankind because men are stubborn, I think women would be more open-minded, but how is it that mankind wants to dismiss so much evidence that points to an alien visitation on earth are we that arrogant to think that only we can launch a probe to mars where it lands it lands where it needs to land the way it needs to land but it's hard for us to believe that there are other cultures in space that can send probes here so that's my question to you that's what i like to know your insight on because essentially Either man is that arrogant or man is in fear of what would happen if it was revealed to the world that there are ancient aliens who were mistaken as gods. Because the thinking is that should that be revealed, ancient cultures will crumble. Ancient cultures will crumble. And I don't mean ancient cultures in terms of the world in the past. I mean ancient cultures in terms of religion will crumble. Because now you have to wonder if a lot of these angels of the Lord who are riding around in chariots of fire, and they used to ride chariots back in the day. So you have angels riding around in chariots of fire. What are they trying to describe? Think about it because a lot of these things are taking place at a time where they're seeing things that they're struggling to describe. And the only thing they can say is it was a bird or it was the angel of the Lord, or it was a chariot of fire. So in closing, I want to do another part of this because I'm getting a lot of texts, a lot of text messages here. We'll do a second show on this, maybe later on this week, about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. We'll see. But I just want to share with you guys my thoughts on this. I think we need to be open to possibilities that are not before. I think we need to be open to theories that may actually be based on facts. I think we need to be open to there's a part of humanity, a part of mankind, the history that we have long denied. I think we should take another look at it. If you have three pyramids sitting in the middle of the desert, and the reason why they build the pyramids is to hide the body of the pharaoh, 
then why even bury the pharaoh under the tomb, under the pyramid, that everybody can see from miles around? How they build it. If you have pyramids like Giza and pyramids, I think it's Tiwatinakan. I can never pronounce that word right. They're in the alignment of the Orion's belt. Why is that? And why is it pyramids, which is a very unique shape, are appearing all over the place? We'll talk about this later on. So in the meantime, in the interim, people, Saiki Kese, Dabinga, live and direct from Los Angeles. Thanks for hanging out with me. Your time. I hope I didn't offend anyone's religious beliefs or anything like that. That's not my intention. Just want to have a conversation. Saiki Kese, Dabinga, live and direct. Y'all have a great evening. Stay out of trouble. And in the world... In the world of the all-famous, myself, rule the world. Later on, and good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.